Hello, and welcome to Healing Challenge 2022 for the month of July. I am Dr. Rosina Bakari here with my fabulous and favorite co-host, Dr. Stephanie Singleton. How you doing today, Dr. Singleton? I am doing good. How are you doing today, Dr. Bakari? I am doing just wonderful. This is a hot topic, you know. Tell the people what we are talking about today. We caliente for sure. The topic we are talking about today is how to heal childhood trauma without, I'm going to say that again, without forgiving the one who caused it. Mm. So every, everybody take a deep breath on that one. Remember go. to breathe during this podcast. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious, everybody, about that. Remember to just really keep taking because this is going to be really heavy. So again, I'm just going to say it again. What we're dealing with for July, the topic is how to heal childhood trauma without forgiving the one who caused it. And so just so that we're all clear, Dr. Bakari, can you please clarify who we're talking to in this chapter. Yes, let's do that. We are talking about adult survivors of childhood trauma. So when we talk about this uh, topic of how to heal without forgiveness, we're talking about the, the concept of unforgiveness. We're gonna get into that in a second. I want you to understand that we're talking about trauma, two pieces of it trauma. We're talking about something that has some depth to it for a number of reasons. So one, we're talking about trauma. Two, we are talking about someone perpetrating that trauma. There is a lot of trauma that we can have, even as a child, that's not intentionally perpetrated. So sometimes children uh, get in accidents. They have to have surgeries. Sometimes people uh, we have children whose parents die at an early age uh, while the child is still young. There are, there's a lot of trauma that can happen that is unintentional. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the act of forgiving or not forgiving when someone has perpetrated trauma onto you when you were before the age of 18. If you had someone perpetrate trauma on you before the age of 18, you are considered an adult survivor of X. Sexual abuse, uh, neglect, physical abuse, emotional abuse. You are an adult survivor. So today we're talking to adult survivors of childhood trauma. Okay, great. Thank you for that clarification. Just so everybody gets that straight right before we dive into this topic. So the first question is then what you talked about forgiveness and unforgiveness. So first of all, what is forgiveness? And then please follow that up with then talking about unforgiveness. So I'm going to actually talk about them both sort of at the same time. So forgiveness, I don't know what that is. The reason I don't know what that is, uh, is because there are over a hundred, well over a hundred definitions of the word forgiveness. And so when you hear people talk about forgiveness, you don't have to talk too long in a group before you realize that people always, 
people have a tendency, this is interesting, to define forgiveness according to their own hearts, right? So, so if you, so if you find someone who has really forgiven someone and they're still friends or whatever, they'll, they'll define forgiveness that way, right? It means it acts as if it no longer happened. And then you'll find other people who will, who will define forgiveness that it just means that, that you're no longer bothered by that situation and that's forgiveness, right? So people always define forgiveness according to, to the, the state of their own hearts, which I find really interesting. And so I don't know how to define forgiveness, right? Uh, because however it is defined, there's gonna, you're gonna find 90 other definitions that, that uh, does not fit that term. Interestingly, there is no such word as unforgiveness unless you talk to Dr. Rosina Bakari. So today, once again, I am stating the term unforgiveness and my definition of it, and maybe one day someone will be able to report it to Webster that there is a, there is a term of unforgiveness. It has been stated by Dr. Rosina Bakari. I've stated it before. I will keep stating it until I see someone put it in a dictionary unforgiveness means that you can no longer see that individual outside of the harm they have caused you. Hmm. The state of unforgiveness means you no longer see that individual outside of the harm they caused you. Their name comes up, you remember the pain. You see them, you remember the pain. Something reminds you of them, you remember the pain. Now, that doesn't mean anything else other than you only see them outside of the harm they caused you. Here's an example. When uh, Kobe Bryant died, there was a lot of reaction because people remembered him for all the good that they saw him do. And he did a lot of good in, in, in his community and otherwise. So people were really saddened by that by his death, his sudden death, right? People remembered him as a great people. Those are people who had extended forgiveness to him, right? For his, uh, his rape that even he uh, had stated that he understood that the, per that the woman who had charged him of rape saw it differently than he did. It was the closest probably any, any, anyone who uh, had been in that situation before or since then ever came to an apology, right? And so a lot of people felt like he was worthy of this forgiveness, right? However, there was, there was another part of the population that was still in a state of unforgiveness for Kobe Bryant. They did not see the mourning in his death because they only saw him in connection to that one single act. They remained in a state of unforgiveness. Now, that being said, I'm sure none of those people were hoping that Kobe died that day. Nobody was hoping that. It's just that when they heard it, saw it, it did not have the same effect because they were in a state of unforgiveness, right? So everybody has the potential to forgive some things, but not everybody forgive the same things, right? And every single being forgives some, something but not everything. And so there's room in this universe to be in a state of forgiveness and to be in a state of unforgiveness. 
No one, no one was trying to do him harm. No one was wishing him harm. But when harm came, some people who were in a state of unforgiveness said, eh. And then some people who were in a state of forgiveness saw that as a huge loss and were profoundly saddened by it, right? There's nothing that says everybody should have forget. Like, it just doesn't happen. There's room in the world for us to exist in a state of forgiveness and us to exist in a state of unforgiveness. It simply means that all our reactions and responses to this person means that we only see them according to the pain they have caused. Yeah, and I'm glad that um, we talked about the different um, the different levels of forgiveness and how forgiveness is different for different people. Like I may be like really pissed off with somebody, a friend or something that maybe say I lent some money to, right? <laughs> and they never paid it back. And depending on who that is, we may still be cool. I ain't going to lend them no more money, but we may still be cool, right? But then there could be somebody else who's done something. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to hold any anger or resentment. And I'm not going to wait for you in the back alley someplace. But I ain't going to have any, anything else to do with you either. So I'm really glad to hear that because I think sometimes when we hear these discussions about forgiveness is, you know, oh, you know, forgive and forget. And, you know, let's just go on and carry on as if, you know, X, Y, Z never happened. And so we never acknowledge that it happened. We never acknowledge the pain that it caused. You know, we yeah. never acknowledge how people are still suffering, right? Yeah. From that thing that happened. Because some of my favorites, well, anyway, I'm not going to too uh, deep into it, but some of the things that people say, and I, I think some people mean well. I mean, I think a lot of people mean well because we just hear it so much. You, you know, you gotta, you just gotta forgive, and you gotta live and let live, and God forbid if it, you know, trauma was caused by somebody in the family, then it's like, well, it's family. All you have is family, you know, or you know, or you know, yeah, you can forgive it. You're not forgiving the person. You're not praying hard enough, you know. So it's all mm -hmm. of these things, and I think it's very freeing now for us to hear what you're saying about unforgiveness. Is that you know, yeah, I have a right to my pain. I have a right to acknowledge that right. this person caused me harm. And I don't want to be in the same room with this, like whatever it is. I have a right to acknowledge the pain that I'm in. Not the wallowing it in it, right? Because we're still talking about healing here, but I have a right to acknowledge and others should respect that what I'm feeling, what, you know, how it's all impacting me. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I would say that you have a right to work through your own healing journey, to walk your own healing path. You have a right to process your pain in the way that it comes up for you. So, so forgiveness is on every healing journey, but it doesn't come up the same place for everybody. Some people will indeed leave this earth before they get to the forgiveness part. Some people forget get to the forgiveness part early on. It depends, right? We don't see forgive, forgiveness is not a blanket task that you throw at everything. There's not a person that you will meet that has not forgiven something, 
right? We have all forgiven something, right? And so we don't get to tell people when and what and how to forgive. The healing journey is the healing journey. We have to trust that it makes us our best selves. There are so many other things that we have to do on the healing journey that if we do those other things, then, then the state of forgiveness will indeed arise for many of us, but it does not arrive at the same place for everyone. We can't just slop it at the beginning of every healing journey and then tell people that their healing journey is doomed if they don't forgive. That's not okay. That's not support. It's not okay. It's not okay. We don't have to tell people to forgive. In fact, the best thing we can do is hold space for people in their pain, hold space for them so that forgiveness is more likely to arise. But when we tell people to forgive, we actually can do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> I do because some people, uh, you know, it's, it's just so common where people will say, well, if you don't forgive, you can't heal. That's part of healing. What do you say to those people? That's part of the lie that we perpetuate because we don't understand what healing looks like in its fullness. And so uh, it's common. Sometimes it has a religious context to it. We've been biblically taught that or spiritually taught that, right? And so it's telling someone how to heal is way easier than holding space for someone that allows them to heal. So when you hear that, when you hear people to say you have to forgive in order to heal, that is said by people who don't understand how to hold space that allows people to heal. So I'd rather tell you the work to do than for me to do the work. What I will say is oftentimes when we are listening to people pain, it triggers something in us that makes us uncomfortable. And what I wanna say to people is when you feel that trigger that you're tired of hearing this, you don't wanna listen to it. You don't, you know what to do with other people's pain. What I'm saying is that when you feel that trigger, that's about you, not that person expressing the pain. That may be some unhealed stuff in you. That may be some unforgiveness stuff in you that may be coming up to be healed. So sometimes we pass along these things that we keep trying and wrestling with and we haven't maybe forgiven our own selves, right? But we say it because we've heard it and we may be still grappling with this. So oftentimes it's like, no, you have to forgive. And what we really mean is I'm still struggling to forgive. So you should too. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so, you know, just to kind of, and related, related to that, is it possible for some people to at least state anyway that they have forgiven their abuser, whoever the abuser was, they've forgiven that person, but then they've never forgiven themselves? Because I'll let you answer, just let you answer that. Right. And that's, and that's one of the negative consequences of forgiveness when you're forced to forgive or you take on forgiveness as a task, right? Um, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. 
And I cannot tell you how many clients I have worked with who will profess that they have forgiven the violator or the perpetrator, but still state that they hate themselves. And I always say, if there's a choice, if you are making a choice between loving yourself and loving and forgiving the, uh, the violator, you know, then you maintain your state of unforgiveness because oftentimes unforgiveness is the path to healing. It can actually be a path, a doorway to healing. So many people have, have chosen forgiveness over self-love instead of Instead of working on themselves, they've tried to take this shortcut of forgiveness that they think somehow buys them favor with God or their family or their friends or the perpetrator themselves, right? That's the easier path that, that gets us all tied up in a knot inside and keeps us from sleeping because we have not done the real work of healing, working with the inner child, finding our meditation practice, working on uh, our own emotional release, going back and figuring things out and learning how to live in truth. That's the work of healing, right? When we do all that work, healing, uh, forgiveness can arise. Authentic, organic healing arises. And sometimes in order to do that work, we actually have to come out. And I'm a witness. We have to come out of our previous state of forgiveness that we were told to do. We have to come out of the state of forgiveness and enter into a state of unforgiveness. Remember that state? I only see you according to the harm that you have caused me. Sometimes we have to allow ourselves to sit in that state of unforgiveness in order to do some of this work that we have to do. I'm not saying come out and say, now keep in mind, I didn't say hurt somebody. I didn't say think bad thoughts. I didn't say ruin somebody's life. Sometimes we have to come out of our state of, I forgive you. It's okay. You can be in my life or whatever it is, the hundred definitions you want to use. Sometimes we have to come out of that state of forgiveness and say, oh, this is what it looks like and feels like when I see the harm you've caused me. And if I sit and understand that this is who you have been in my life, and I give myself permission to examine that hurt. I get myself permission to examine it. But oftentimes we push ourselves into a state of forgiveness that allows us to never have to examine the pain, right? Because that's the scarier work. Oftentimes it is in this state of unforgiveness that we learn how to walk away and take care of ourselves. Now we can enter into a state of self-care right? Now we can learn to forgive ourselves for not being in that vulnerable state of never responding or never reacting or just pretending like everything was okay. Maybe that I caused it or I liked it or I participated, whatever it is, the untruths that we live with. It is entering into a state of unforgiveness that allows us to seek the truth about the situation, the person, in ourselves and integrate that into our way of being in the world. It's mm. not necessarily a place we want to live forever, but it is absolutely okay 
to enter a state of unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And entering that state could actually be our pathway to healing. Yeah, and I, and I just want to reiterate to our audience that with unforgiveness, we're not talking about hating anybody. We're not talking about we want revenge. We're not, talking, we're not talking about any of that, but just acknowledging and witnessing our pain and acknowledging, so, acknowledging it so that we can heal. The other thing that I really wanted to um, say too, just, just listening to your response to that question is a lot of times when we're told about forgiveness and you brought this up is that it focuses more on the abuse, right? Then it has people focus more on abuse. Oh, I have to be nice to this person because I don't want to upset whoever, right? I don't want to upset the family. I don't want to upset, you know, my husband, my daughter, whoever it is, you know, but so it keeps, still keeps, seems to me anyway, it still keeps the focus on that person and you're still kind of monitoring monitoring your own behavior, right? And denying your own emotions and reactions, you know, just to please other to please other people and to fit in or yep. whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, thank you for really bringing that out. Right. And a lot of times that's when people will bring it up, right? And because it doesn't, because a lot of times it's not even necessarily that somebody's complaining or whatever, but it's like, no, I'm not coming to the family reunion. Girl, you should forget about that. You ain't forgive yet. Like, no, because in my state of unforgiveness, it is where I have the most keen awareness of what I need to do to take care of myself. So I allow myself to exist in this state of unawareness where I only see this person by what they did to me, the harm that they brought to me, because I allow myself to hold that space with them, then I maintain boundaries that are helpful for me, even if other people don't like it or don't agree with it. Okay. We're talking about a state of unforgiveness. We're not talking about this attempt to do harm to someone who has caused us harm. There's a lot that can happen, but that's not necessarily what a state of unforgiveness means. So when people say they don't forgive, we should not rush to judgment about and, and us putting words in, their, in, in people's mouths about what it means. We should ask them, what does it mean for you to be in a state of unforgiveness? It means I don't want to be around the person. Okay. If that's their definition of unforgiveness, give them that. Grant them that peace of mind for themselves. Don't start telling them about, well, forgiveness means that. No, no. Allow people to invite you on their healing journey. Don't try to drag them onto what, how you define a healing path. That's, that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. You talked a lot about space and allowing um, space and creating space for for um, survivors of abuse um, to create space for themselves and for other people who are coming in contact to create space for survivors. So when you say space, what, what, what are you talking about? What, what, what is that process of creating space? Space really is about holding a relationship uh, with that person without judgment and without expectations that this person will be 
who you want them to be and follow the path that you want them to follow. So it really means I'm willing to be in a relationship with you without judgment as to how you need to heal. That when I hold space for you, it means I'm willing to allow you to be however you need to be on that healing journey. And you and I can negotiate our relationship aside from where you are on your healing journey. But when I start saying, well, if you're not going to come to a family reunion, then just forget about it, right? And just a fun, a fun fact, right? The closer the relationship between a violator and a victim, no matter what it is, so like a parents are closer than siblings, siblings are closer than, um, uh, than cousins and aunts and uncles and those close family members. The closer the family members are, the, the more likely that act is, whatever that egregious act was that caused trauma, the more likely it is to never be addressed. Never, mm. never. So wow. that's very telling and interesting, right? So, um, and so, and I don't mean not be addressed by the victim who was a child at the time in the cases we're talking about, but not be addressed by the family or anyone else. The closer those two people, the violator and the victim, the less likely that victim is ever to get any acknowledgement or support within that family system. I think that's so sad. That's just- Why is that? Why is that? Well, you know, it's a family affair, right? And so many people are engaged in uh, the easy way out. That I think that's why people cling to forgiveness. It makes it easier for people to get along. And so it's easier, um, and, and typically the person, oftentimes the person who is the violator is a person who has power in that family. Hmm. They know their power. And so as opposed to people going up against the power or the power structure of that family, that church, that organization, they, they, were, they find an easier path to scrutinize the victim. It's easier. It's just so much easier. It's easier. Hmm. Um, the uh, last question I tell you, it's, yeah, I don't even have to keep repeating how fast this time goes, but this is just such a, a really deep and, and needed topic to really talk about. So yeah, if we go over, we just go over, but this question I want to ask you is what do you say to people? Um, well, wait a minute, how, okay, let me, let me just rephrase this. What could you say to people instead of saying you need to just get over this um, or however you want to just tell people how they need to hit? What is more something that's much more encouraging, much more empowering to say to somebody who has experienced trauma and needs to, needs to be laid back? Uh, I, I'm going to... First of all, uh, restate that we're talking about not just trauma, but childhood trauma. We're talking about adult survivors of childhood trauma. And so I want us to really understand that, that you have a grown person coming to you, addressing issues with you that were never addressed in childhood. 
I want us to just let that sit in. So mm -hmm. what you hear coming out often is the voice of a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old who has never found their voice. I just want people to let that sink in because sometimes people say that's all they ever talk about. And the truth is that's because they never talked about it for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Oftentimes when they start talking about it, they're trying to convince themselves of, of all the years of silence. And so I say that. And then the other thing I say, when people say that's all they keep talking about, I say, did you ever let them know that you heard them? Because sometimes people keep talking until they feel heard. So if every time they talk, you bring up forgiveness or some other thing that they should be doing, then maybe you can really re-engage with the intention of listening, not guiding, not rescuing, not protecting, not telling people what to do, but listen. So that's the first thing I would say, listen, and then find a way to let the person know that you heard them. I heard you when you said, wow. That sounds really painful. Wow, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Wow, I'm glad you finally get to talk about that now. Statements that I hear you, not let me tell you how to get fixed from that. Oh, you sh clearly you're sharing that with me because you want me to fix you, right? So first I would say, let the person know you hear them. And then you can ask supportive questions instead of investigations, right? Supportive, like, ha, ha, I wonder if you've ever considered or if you have sought professional help with that. That's a fair question. If they say no, let their no be no. It's not, you're, you're listening. You're not trying to rescue them by telling them, oh, you got to see a therapist if that happened to you. You're just a listener right? Trust people, trust people to find their path when they find space to really explore. So one is maybe you should get professional help. I'm wondering if you've ever thought about that. Oh, who else in your family have you told about this? Have you gotten any support from anybody in your family? That's important to know because you're saying that they keep talking about this. Maybe that's because you are the only one who has ever even attempted to listen. So maybe if you can let them know, oh, I'm sorry, no one has ever even taken a chance to, or taken time out to listen to you. Can you imagine? Some of you can. Like holding this secret for 40 years with no one to talk to? I did, right? And so learning how to talk, sometimes people are practicing. Like, ooh, they're learning how to talk. And they'll talk to anyone who will listen because they're learning how to hear themselves narrate their own experience, right? And so the question is, what pain are they tapping into that makes it so uncomfortable for you to listen? So again, I'll come back to that, right? And so asking them questions uh, and then reminding them that, uh, that healing is a process, it's a journey. If you are the one who are trying to find your way on a journey, since this is about how to heal, um, there are things that you should do and know too. One, yeah, everybody's not going to listen. Find your listeners. 
find your supportive people. They're not necessarily the people you sleep with, the people who live in your house, the people you work with. Find your supportive listeners. That's a task. That is a task, right? That's trial and error. It is trial and error. But when you find people that you know aren't your listeners, you might want to stop talking to those people. Like you, it's difficult, if not impossible, to turn non-listeners into listeners, no matter how close they are to you. Just because they marry you doesn't mean they're a good listener. And if they're not a good listener, you trying to make them into a listener will ruin a lot of relationships, whether it's the person you marry, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your... A uh, sorority sister, whether it like trying to make a non-listener into a listener can ruin a relationship. There are people who know how to listen to you and they're not all therapists, but you have to do your due diligence to see where that open space is so that you don't harm yourself, right? Um, by constantly feeling this sense of isolation and rejection. So that takes doing your homework. Uh, if you're going to seek, uh, seek professional help, making sure that that person has some level of expertise in what you're dealing with, depending on the trauma, right? If it doesn't work out for you the first time, find someone else. Same thing like the listener, find someone else, figure out why this person didn't work, what was uncomfortable for you, and try again, write down your needs, right? Write down your questions and find someone to work with, um, Find out and understand the inner child because a lot of times people are, who are doing just talk therapy and having you repeat what happened, what happened, that's not, we, that's not useful for trauma, right? So, but you can read books and begin to understand what does it mean to work with your inner child, right? And we kind of have heard that expression. There's enough information out there now that at least you can get the concept. I don't, I'm not at all suggesting you can do the work by yourself. I'm saying, understand what it means to have this inner child. And there are more, more personas, if you will, that, uh, that you may have to work with, but at least begin to understand the inner child and the role that that inner child um, sub-personality plays in your life. So I would say that. Uh, making sure that you are reconnecting the mind and body. A lot of times when there's... Um, Childhood trauma, the, there's a disconnect between the mind and the body, right? The mind is going one way, the body is going an, an, another way. They don't, they, they don't um, have full connections where they're working in synchrony. So you want to make sure that you're using your body to connect with your mind and you're using your mind to connect with your body. And so you get a more uh, synchronous flow into the fullness of who you are and what your experiences are. It'll, it will allow you to flow more seamlessly into your own truths when you open up that connection between the mind and the body. Yoga, meditation, exercise, good food. Um, so just be aware of the mind and body connection. Uh, and of course, there's things like creating boundaries, having healthy relationships, and most of all, any relationship that you, you are in that's toxic, figure out how to get out of it. So those are just some other things that are more important to do than worrying about whether or not 
you have forgiven a person. Because you can say you forgive the person and all of those other things I just mentioned could be way off track. Forgiveness does not improve your life. The work improves your life. Oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you for that. Talking about a rewind, rewind moment. And I also like that you also you stress that if you go to a therapist, if people take that route and go to a therapist and it doesn't work out, go, go find another one, you know, cause I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I went to the therapist and, you know, it just didn't work out. And it's like, well, Hey, you know, did you, no, I never, you know, I don't go back. And even with finding, like, like you just said, even just with finding resources and support and help, it's like, some it's trial. Some of it is a lot of trial and error. You have to really, you know, you have to really keep at it. Yeah, it may not have worked with that therapist, but um, try another one. Try another one. Did that person, like you said, have the right credentials to help you? You know, because every therapist, everybody that's got a shingle out is not equipped to um, deal with trauma or and PTSD. So you know. These, these are the things, and I'm so glad that you brought it out because, again, we're in this society where it's just a quick fix, you know, just give me that pill, just give me, and it's like, again, we can't stress this enough, it's a journey, it's a process, it really is. Yeah, the one thing yeah. I would say ultimately is heal, like it's intentional. If you have experienced childhood trauma, healing is a journey, this idea that, um, you're getting out of it somehow because you're smart enough, pretty enough, wealthy enough, um, loved enough. Like there's some stuff that's lingering. Um, so enter the healing journey. Like don't, don't, you're not going to, you don't outgrow trauma. You don't, you don't just outgrow it. Right. You work, you work through it. Wow. Oh my goodness. This has been such a great discussion. Thank you so much, Dr. Bakari. Everybody out there, check us out, www.healingchallenge2022.com. Dr. Bakari, is there anything else you would just like to give us some last nuggets before we go? Uh, I would just like to say, uh, reiterate the definition of unforgiveness because I know people got lost somewhere in the conversation. They're still back on. What do you mean you don't have to forgive? Unforgiveness simply is a recognition that you do not see this person outside of the harm they caused you. It's that simple. You don't have to put a whole bunch of tags onto what this means, right? That's something else. So don't let anyone lay that on you about unforgiveness right? Uh, or what happens if you don't forgive? So you get to choose your own healing journey and allow healing, allow forgiveness to arise. The one thing I will say is when forgiveness arises, that you also do get to give yourself permission to forgive, no matter how much you thought you would never forgive that. When it arises, it's okay let it arise. When you finally get the urge to actually call that person and have, have a conversation, that's okay. 
because you're going to show up at the family reunion again and you don't feel like you're going to see that person only according to what they did to you, that's okay. You get to allow that to arise, not force it to arise. When you force it to arise, again, there's some danger in that. There can be some harm in that uh, when you're forcing yourself into those situations. But forgiveness is a beautiful experience when it arises organically. It can be a very damaging experience when it is forced or task oriented. So, but one thing for sure, you deserve to heal. Know that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Bakari. And thank you everyone for joining us. Remember to share the link and we love you all. And thank you so much for joining us and we will see you in August. Yes, we will. Thank you. Enjoy that weather wherever you are, because you know summer does not last too long. So right. enjoy. All right.